All right, welcome back to the Agency Journey Podcast. This is Gray McKenzie from Zen Pilot. And this week, I've got the distinct pleasure of bringing on Andy Cavasso uh, from, he is a co-founder of a company called Postaga, um, and has a super cool story. So I'm super excited to dig into it. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Gray, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, um, among other things, in your intro, occasionally, and I was tempted to read it, but I usually go with a short <laughs> version first. Former Guinness World Record holder. What's the story? Um, so I, I've started using that because it, it gets people asking questions like, like, well, right. tell me the story. And like, is it a, is it a good one? No, it's like the simplest thing that anyone could probably possibly do to win a Guinness World Record. Um, uh, I got the like uh, framed thing back there. Um, years ago, Reddit did a big secret Santa where it, you could get matched up with someone around the world and uh, you would send them a small gift for the holidays. And because it was the largest secret Santa that ever took place, you won a Guinness World Record. And at the end of it, uh, all the participants could uh, re- ask for basically a certificate. And so uh, I'm like, this is like, this fulfilled a childhood dream that I had ever since I was in elementary school reading those really cool Guinness books. And seeing all these amazing things that people were doing, and uh, yeah, check that off the the bucket list. The uh, any other That's, acrobatic <clears throat> feats or things like that, or collections, were well, that wasn't going to happen for me. Uh, so this one worked. But then, of course, the following year, Reddit did another Secret Santa and broke the record. And so now I am sadly a former Guinness World Record holder. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's a slightly more exclusive club though than the time person of the year in 2006, uh, <laughs> which was you. I still occasionally see that on someone's profile somewhere. Yeah. And for a while that joke was kind of tired and now it's, it's been tired enough that I'm kind of like, okay, that, that's making me right. Yeah. Now there are, are, are enough people who have forgotten about that. And it's like, right. Oh wait, time person of the, year. Oh yeah. With the mirror. And that's clever. So you've got, you've got an awesome story. Um, and I've heard, I know you've shared your story a number of times on podcasts, of building and exiting, um, an agency coming from a legal background. Mm -hmm. Um, but now with Postaga, you call it an all in one platform for cold email outreach. Um, Mm -hmm. you've got, so you've got the software play, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm excited to hear the story of. And also you've got a services component to it as well right now, but why don't you maybe just by way of intro, can you walk us through um, what Postaga is and how you got here? Sure. So uh, in simplest terms, Postaga is a tool that helps you do cold email outreach to connect with other people who don't necessarily know who you are for purposes of everything from sales lead generation to uh, PR to link building. There are a variety of use cases. It's used by people from salespeople to marketers uh, to PR professionals. Um, and it kind of came about really because of specifically like the link building use case, which was, uh, back in the day I ran an, a digital marketing agency and we were noticing that to be able to rank better in Google, you needed more high quality, relevant links pointing to your website and the way to get good quality, real links to your website Um, isn't 
by just publishing content and waiting and hoping other people link to it, but by doing outreach to other relevant websites to pitch them to either link to your content or have you write a guest po- let, let, let you write a guest post for them. So then you get a link back to your site. Um, but we weren't really seeing any great scalable ways to do this, especially for an agency. It, what we were seeing was a lot of disjointed tools out there. There were tools for prospecting to find good websites. There are tools for finding emails and then tools for sending email sequences. But we really weren't seeing anything like that was built and geared towards us uh, as people who are interested in link building. And so we built Postago, which is the all-in-one platform for that. It does everything from uh, finding relevant outreach opportunities based on whatever your goals are to finding the right people's contact info to then uh, sending personalized email sequences to them and managing that all in a CRM. So that's the the backstory on the the product and how it got to being. What are with that initial um, <clears throat> initial use case of link building? Mm-hmm. I know you've done a lot of podcast outreach and kind of promoted that use case for Postaga mm-hmm. too, which I think is a really good tool. And then obviously you get normal cold email to go sell stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's any number of other iterations too. What do you see as the most common use case for Postaga right now? Not necessarily what it's best suited for, but what are people actually using it for primarily? Um, prob- I, I'd say it's there's a decent mix, but probably the most common use case right now is for link building. Um, yeah. We're seeing more and more people in sales using it and also in PR. But I guess like big picture, there are uh, a lot of people in digital marketing and a lot more people in, in sales. And so as people in the sales community are finding out about us, we're, we're getting more visibility that way. Um, and while like I've seen like very very effective PR outreach campaigns. Um, I think there's just a smaller community of people in PR. Yeah. Um, mm. I wanted to go to this at some point. I'm going to ask it now because this is one of the things I'm most curious about. I've followed mm. um, Rob Walling and mm. in our Volset and the MicroConf community for a while. Um, mm. And now they've got a fund called Tiny Seed where they're investing in like, mostly bootstrapped uh, companies bootstrapped or mostly bootstrapped. I think. Yeah. Um, and you joined what, what cohort were you in? Is it just last 2021 spring? Uh, yeah, it was the spring 2021 cohort. Okay. Um, what prompted, like, I, w- I would just love to hear the story of that. Like what prompted you to go there? And then what was that, the experience of applying and going through that, that process? Yeah. So initially it, it wasn't really on our radar. Um, we were, you know, follow, we were following the microconf community. Um, I really like their kind of vision and ethos of, uh, you know, being geared towards founders that are looking to have your businesses bootstrapped or mostly bootstrapped. Uh, my last agency, we didn't raise any money. And um, after we exited and our agency got acquired, uh, we used some of the proceeds of that to uh, start this next venture. And so it had, we'd been bootstrapped and we didn't really have any plans to raise any like venture funding or anything like that. Um, and then we kind of came across the accelerator as they were opening up their applications for the spring batch. And we were particularly interested in not like it's an accelerator and kind of about the program is they provide some funding, like 
not like a series a or anything like uh, dramatic like that, like millions of dollars or anything like that, but a small amount of funding, but also they've got their, their community, their mentors. And that was really the aspect that we were most interested in. You know, we've been listening to podcasts like Rob's uh, startups for the rest of us and following microconf and really appreciating their insights. And our thought process was if they can help us avoid some of the common pitfalls that we may not be aware of that we don't know uh, in terms of building a SaaS business, that would be absolutely worth uh, worth whatever you know equity stake that they take. And so that yeah, like you know, when you're building a, a new business, things take time. And with uh, my agency in the first go round, uh, like we we got to an exit that we were happy with, but. Certainly along the way, we learned a lot. We tried many different things, did a lot of A-B testing, and we we didn't know what we didn't know. And so, yeah, we found out the hard way that like certain strategies and tactics didn't work for growth or processes or operations or things like that. And coming into this, you know, SaaS business and with Postaga, we thought if we could get really good advice from mentors who have been through the process, but also had a network that we could rely on of uh, other advisors or founders who have kind of overcome the challenges that we anticipated that we'd be facing, that would be absolutely worth it. And that, you know, having been through the program now, it it just ended for us uh, last month. It was absolutely like what I was hoping for in terms of, uh, that mentorship and that advice, like the, the cash was nice. It definitely helped us add to the runway and allowed us to invest in certain things and projects that we were looking to, to invest in. But the, probably the single most impactful thing has been, um, the community and the mentors and the advice that they gave us that like, it was like, we learned, we learned about things that we just didn't know. Uh, we didn't know that we didn't know, like, um, uh, we learned early, I learned early in the program about the jobs to be done framework, uh, which was completely not on my radar. And I, I trying to tell everyone that I can about it sooner. Um, just wishing I had learned about it earlier, really stuff like yeah. that. That's awesome. What's the, um, and maybe for people who don't know, my recollection is, Tiny seed invests, I forget, a hundred or a couple hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. for like roughly 10, you know, I think valued, valuing companies in the one to two million range. Mm-hmm. Their model for returning that cash, if I'm correct, anything that I've got wrong, but I'll just, I'll make the mistake talking out loud instead of a, yeah. so you is, I think they cap founder salaries at maybe two, two or two fifty a year. Mm-hmm. And then they're just taking provided distributions. If you're taking distributions of profits on top. If you go to sell, they take, uh, you know, whichever is larger, either their initial investment back or, um, mm. hopefully the, you know, proceeds, proceeds from the sale, um, mm. in, you know, uh, in equal proportion to their, um, equity stake in the company. Um, after, so after the one year program, is it, Hey, we're still in a community. Is there any follow on? Like what, what comes next after a tiny seed year one? Yeah. So, I mean, so far, yeah, it kind of, it kind of feels like 
an alumni network sort of thing in that we we weren't kicked out of like the slack groups or anything like that so like yeah like we're yeah we're still in the mic the tiny seed slack channels and we still have the same access to the mentors like one of the best things about the program has been that um they basically like list their mentors and show about like what their areas of expertise are and they say if you want to have a strategy call with any of them let us know and we can set something up and we still have access to that and that's that's still like probably like the biggest value I think that we've, we've yeah. gotten. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, kind of related to that that I was curious about is you mentioned you guys have uh, rolled out some done for you services mm-hmm. on top of Postaga. What can you walk through uh, what that looks like, I guess, a, and then B, what was the decision to, to go down that route? Yeah. So I guess it's funny in that I, built an agency, sold the agency, and then started a SaaS software business and then ended up adding a agency in tandem with that uh, SaaS business. The kind of beginning of it was we were, as far as our user sign up and cancellation process goes, uh, we were reaching out to people if they ever canceled their postdoc account to see, well, why did you cancel? And some of them, it was common enough that it uh, made us kind of aware of it. Uh, it was common enough sentiment that they were like, you know, I'm, I don't really have much experience with link building or outreach. And, you know, as easy as your tool makes it for me to be able to do the prospecting and do the outreach, it still needs to be a thought out, uh, structured part of someone's job to do the outreach and the follow-up and like get either get your link placements or get your yes posts. Or, you know, if you're in sales, like there are people who spend their days doing outbound lead generation and, you know, like AEs and SDRs and stuff like that. So, um, we were seeing, we had a decent amount of people who were like asking us like, yeah, I I like the idea of this. This is something I definitely want to be doing. It's not something I had been doing in the past, do you have anyone that you could recommend who, you know, is like maybe like a power user or people use yourself or consultants that you could recommend? And, um, I thought about it and I'm like, well, I have a background in building an agency. Uh, I could turn this into a productized service and offer this and why not? <laughs> and, and so we did a pilot program with, uh, with, uh, one, one, one of our, Customer, former customers who had said, Hey, I, is there anyone that, you know, you could recommend? And, uh, like I, from that and from my background, you know, running agencies, I built out the SOPs. I did all of the delivery of it myself personally to make sure the workflow was right. And that I could also be able to replicate it for the future, uh, with future clients and also be able to bring on, uh, help, uh, and be able to scale that team. And over time it, it's been, you know, as with, you know, any growing agency, it's been an iterative process as we've gone from one, one person, uh, on the team besides me to six other people doing outreach. And so, um, yeah, having definitely having that agency background and knowing the mistakes to avoid and really being serious about, SOPs and documentation, the processes and KPIs and all of that, um, 
it, it's a big difference from my first go around as an agency, trying to figure things out as I went. Right. What does that structure look like right now? Like if I'm, <clears throat> I want to do cold outreach, what, let's just say, and is it all, as you're doing cold outreach right now, is it primarily, um, link building or is it scaled down to one specific type of, um, cold outreach? So it's kind of everything. And we have like okay. a variety of different types of businesses that are, that are using this service. Um, there are some software SaaS businesses that are using the done for you service to get like press and visibility, like that we're doing specifically just doing outreach to get them guest spots on other podcasts. There are SaaS businesses that are trying to do link building. And so we're doing, you know, link building, guest posting outreach and stuff like that for them. There are other agencies that are using our service that we're doing outreach for either them or for their clients. Um, and, uh, I, I'd say like probably two of the biggest segments of our, you know, done for you customers are either other agencies or, or software businesses. Right. And it's, it's a very wide range of stuff that we're doing for them, whether it, whether it's link building or press outreach or, uh, sales lead generation. Um, and also it's gotten, gotten more popular more recently is doing, uh, affiliate outreach. So for mm -hmm. businesses that are, uh, products, whether it's like e-commerce or, you know, they have their own or if they're like SaaS businesses, we can find uh, potential partners, people who would, would be a good affiliates to uh, recommend their products. Yeah. What you mentioned kind of rolling this out as a productized service with all those different types. Mm -hmm. How do you, like, is it standard pricing? Yeah, you've got three packages to choose from. Here's what they look like. Here's like, how do you, how do you measure and manage mm -hmm. that side of running a productized service? Yeah. And then like the most important thing with any productized service is being able to make it consistent, fix scope. Um, and at the like early days, I was trying to think, well, what, what's the most like consistent way that we could do this? Because if we're, if we're doing like link building, let's say, um, I could acquire a link for a client where the link is like a, a DRDA of 60 versus a DRDA of 30. And, um, if, if you look online, there are places where you could buy links and they, their price range is really the metric that they use is domain authority or domain rating. Um, which, which are, if you don't know, those are metrics that HREFs and Moz have to kind of qualify the authority rating of any given website and the higher authority, uh, they have the more impactful, generally uh, speaking, the link will be for helping you rank. And so you could you could charge based on uh, based on those metrics if it's link building. But also if you're if we're doing multiple kinds of outreach, um, if we're doing outreach for podcasts, some podcasts have more or less listenership. If we're doing sales lead generation uh, an enterprise customer could be worth a lot more than a, a small business customer, things like that. And so I didn't want to be in the space of having to, uh, like negotiate basically every single lead. Even if we had a price list, uh, for leads and things like that, I could see getting into, uh, a lot of debate over quality of certain leads with clients or them asking to re remove that from the list and stuff like that. So that was, 
just didn't seem very scalable to me, at, at least not not for us at this time. So because of that, we did come in a completely like fixed scope pricing. Like you play, you pay a flat fee, and then uh, your deliverables are like we set, we'll set like a target for the amount of leads that we're going to be able to generate for you across the channels that you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it's not a per link or no yeah. cumulative and, DR and ARs. There yeah. are plenty of like link building services where that's what they do. Right. And you can go to their websites, you could sign up and you pay X dollars and you get a link from a site that, uh, where the main thing that they care about is domain rating, but it doesn't really tell you about like, is the context that you got the link in super relevant? Um, like it, like you may get a link thrown into a, technically it's a, you know, DR 60 website, but the website itself is not really content wise geared towards what your content is. And so is that super helpful? Yeah. So because you've got a lot of experience and we've had um, some people talk like briefly about link building in the past. We had um, mm-hmm. Josh Elkin from Linkflow, an awesome link building mm-hmm. agency um, on the podcast sharing his story, but we're really not going into the process. And I thought maybe one thing that would be fun for us to do together um, as we, as we get closer to wrapping up is just kind of walk through what, what are you seeing work best in terms of link building? Mm-hmm. And um I think that there's an opportunity there, A, for agencies, in some cases, to use it for themselves, but certainly to augment the work that they're doing for clients mm-hmm. uh, as well. So when you look at link building, like what are the components of doing link building well? Mm-hmm. And any uh, any secret anti tips that you've got for the audience on this one? So I guess for agencies in particular, like the real key here is, well, what can you do that is scalable and reliable? Um, and if your clients are in a variety of different types of businesses and you're going to be doing outreach for, for them, um, you're not, you're going to need to, you know, be doing unique prospecting for all of them and outreach and stuff like that. So what, I guess, in terms of like what I've seen other agencies do and like the ones that have the most success, generally, I guess, big picture the outreach is a numbers game. Um, the more people you reach out to, the more opportunities you're going to have. Um, and to, depending on what level of sort of personalization you do with the emails can definitely impact that. Um, but if, if you're doing outreach for the first time, kind of the most common response that you're going to get, I think the most common responses that we've seen um, are that like whether you're asking for a link or a guest post um because the more high traffic high authority sites they get pitched all the time and they've they realize oh wow i have something that people want they will ask for money and uh, the question is like all right well do i do i pay for a link here and i will i'm not going to make a moral judgment on it. I, uh, I know that like Google, for example, says, you know, any sort of quote unquote link scheme violates our terms of service. Um, I think as a practical matter, um, in a competitive space, people are doing it and your competitors are doing it. So that's something to be mindful of. If you're looking for 
you know, do outreach and not pay for any links or opportunities or things like that. The really the most, most important things are that your content, like that what you're offering is something of value to the other site. Now, um, I will say that the stuff, like kind of the outreach that I've had the most success with is pitching, uh, content that's, uh, like statistics or data that these websites that you're reaching out to can cite to. So for example, if you create, and if, if you create like an infographic, so even if it's not your original data, if you're creating an infographic, this piece of content, that's a great thing for a website to want to just add to their existing article, um, and provide as a resource to their audience. Um, the most common kind of pitches that I get every day and I, I see people doing are like the equivalent of, Hey, I just came across your article and it's great. And I wanted to, I think I've got this article that's relevant, but you didn't really cover. And I want to see if you can drop in a link to my article, which would provide great value for your readers. And like, it might great, but like these websites get pitched this, a variation of that same pitch constantly. And so you really, really need to stand out in the inbox. And so whether, whether it's having like objectively you really unique content that's a value add for them for their site or um or you know they're gonna they're gonna reply and say pay me and you pay them something or you get an or um uh i've been doing some a b testing for example with uh like doing uh personalized images and things like that in in pitch emails and those tend to get a better response rate. But also one thing that I've found that works well is uh, humor. Um, so many, so many, so many cold emails are pretty generic. And like, if you've operated a website long enough, you've gotten the same kind of cold email pitches over and over again. Dear sir, I would love to do business with you. Here is what we are offering. Stuff like that. And to the point where you're like, you see it, you see the email preview for a blip, you delete or archive it right away because you you know that there's not going not to be any value for you in it. But if you can kind of disrupt that mental uh, muscle memory, if you will, so that like they're skimming their inbox, they see like see an email from someone they don't know and they see the preview or they open the email, you get them to pause and say, well, what the heck is this? Then it makes it more likely that now that they've taken this pause, they'll read the rest of your email and maybe even respond to you. Um, so that kind of thinking about tacking, tackling it differently um, can absolutely help you and have a, a bigger impact. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, any favorite jokes? Any favorite openers right now? So my... I, I've had mixed success with this one um, to the point where someone, uh, this was months back, but I I had my phone number in the email signature and this guy called me with a real thick New Jersey accent. He's like, hey, is this Andrew? And I'm like, yeah, hi, who's this? And he's like, who's this? You tell me. You've been emailing me pictures of your cat all week. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So like what I, well, in the email sequence, what I was doing was I had, it's a, like a very 
striking picture of me just sitting at a table next to my cat and we are both staring at the camera lens. And if you like open this email and if you see that image, you're going to be like, what, what the heck is this? But like, I've yeah. done what I needed to do. I've disrupted their flow, but I've also hopefully demonstrated that I am a real human adult person and with some personality and to make it more likely, hopefully that they'll get back to me. I, I've had on a few occasions, people reply to me, Hey, uh, I'm not interested, but can you just let the email sequence keep going? So I want to see where this is going next. And like, um, so like one of the jokes that I, I've used repeatedly, um, is, um, if I don't know, if I don't have like a contact name at, at this website, I say, Hey, I wanted to make sure this is getting to the right person. I, I've heard, I've heard that there are people working here, uh, that are actually cats stacked on top of each other, disguised as humans. And it's silly. It's inoffensive. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, the, the humor angle can be tough yeah. if you like, if you think you're funny, I don't, I don't think I'm funny, but I can be sarcastic. And, uh, like, so like often, like I'll do like, just like a very punny sort of joke opener. Um, like, uh, one, one that, uh, is, I've been doing, uh, pretty frequently lately is like, I have two quick questions for you. Uh, uh, one, are there, uh, one, did you hear what the, why the marketer was afraid of trampolines? Uh, and two, uh, are there any collaboration opportunities for us here? And then I, I'm like, before I get to that first one, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, I'm like, by the way, the marketer who was afraid of trampolines, they were afraid of high bounce rates, but, um, yep. Classic. And, uh, yeah, if you've gotten an email like that, that probably came from our platform and possibly, uh, possibly me. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, man. Um, I think the, the point of like, you got to stand out and get their attention first um, makes a lot of sense. That goes for goes for most yeah. platforms and definitely applies in, in cold email. The, like the, the challenge is like there are a few ways to stand out that I've seen people do either either you spend a lot of time doing research on every individual prospect, which absolutely can have a big impact. Um, the more, you know, the more time you spend, the better, like I've had people reach out to cold, reach out to me saying, Hey, um, you know, I saw your podcast with gray when you're talking about link building. I thought it was so interesting when you mentioned this humor thing, that was so cool. And I'm like, okay, wow. That person to do that had to have listened to the episode and find something to say about it. So they're like, all right, that took, uh, more than a few minutes. So right. I'm going to be more curious to see what they have to say. But I've also seen people like have openers like, Hey, I saw that you went to this college, go tigers or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I know that like, is there some time that's involved in this? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if you're even maybe using software that just scraped my LinkedIn to see what college I went to or whatever. I don't know. Um, it just seems like there's not really a lot, any connection of that to the pitch. Um, so you can, you know, the more personalized you can be the better. Um, but if, if you're trying to do at like a very large scale, um, I think, uh, just content wise, uh, a humor angle or, or something in where the copy is different than what you'd normally see, uh, is going to have a big impact to yeah, your you know, reply rates and things like that. Makes um, sense. 
One uh, resource that I maybe want to give a shout out to is um, there's a, uh, a site called a charm offensive um, uh, guy's name is John Buchan and his like pitch was his pitch is basically I got really drunk one night and then sent a cold email to someone. And then in the morning I got a reply that they were thought, thought it was so hilarious and they wanted to set up a meeting. And now I've scheduled meetings with fortune 500 companies, uh, by using variants of this. And it was, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And he offers like templates and, and ideas and things like that. And, uh, I, I've definitely really absorbed that material. And like, for me, that that's been super, super helpful personally. Yeah. So I, I recommend awesome. checking that out too. Um, last question for you. I'm looking forward to a product roadmap next six to 12 months. What's the next evolution or what are the, what are the things you're most excited about for postdoc? Is it the services side scaling that, uh, is it specific things on the software side? Um, well, it's kind of growth all around. The services side is, is been growing like crazy in the last year since we like first started doing it. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm excited to, as we kind of scale that up, um, in terms of like the software side, uh, as we're getting more users who are like sending in, in like super high volumes and agencies that are doing that for their clients, we want to better perfect the, um, like the ultimate goal here with doing cold outreach is you want your wins, you want your leads, whether they're, you know, whether they're, uh, links or podcasts or, uh, sales leads or things like that. And so, uh, it's maybe it's a bit technical and not sexy, but like, I care very much about email deliverability, making sure that your emails go to people's inboxes. And it's not like necessarily anything that anyone's like touting as like a selling feature of email sending software or anything like that. But like, if, if it, if you have from what one platform to another, a difference of five or 10% with email deliverability, that's a huge impact considering you're, you might be spending the same amount of effort to, uh, find, like find these leads and reach out to them and like big picture time horizon, the more data that we, as we, you know, have more and more users and collecting more and more data, it's like, like, I'm excited to see, like, if you have a particular contact that you want to reach out to, we might be able to know from historical data what's the likelihood that this person responds to you? What might their ask be if they, if they have a response and the things like that. And so, um, yeah, as, as, as we do more and more outreach, we, we can, we can build a database to know really like what the outcomes are likely to be. And so we can help you do outreach more effectively is right. what it comes down to. That's awesome. Well, good for you guys. Uh, it's been awesome to dig into the journey together and to watch you guys grow. Uh, for folks who want to learn more, obviously, postaga.com, P-O-S-T-A-G-A.com. Is there anywhere else you'd point people, Andy? Um, besides, yeah, besides checking out Postaga at our, at our site, um, you can also check out, we have a, a Facebook group group called uh, Grow Together SEO. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, facebook.com slash group slash Grow Together SEO. And it's all about uh, cold outreach, link building, digital marketing, all, all of that. And yeah. it's a, it's a good community. Uh, a lot of people who are like new to cold outreach, getting advice on, on campaigns, 
uh, more experienced people talking about strategies that have worked well for them. And it's a yeah, good place to get some ideas. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Andy. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Greg. This has been fun.